grace has shone forth from thy mouth like fire. I'm Father David Smith. I'm the pastor of St. George's Antiochian Orthodox Church in Utica, New York. We'll be going to St. George's in just a few moments to hear a sermon I preached uh, on the subject of the uh, Ladder of Divine Ascent, which is a famous book in the Orthodox world. It was written by St. John Climacus uh, in the 12th century. He was a, an abbot of uh, a, a monastery on Mount Sinai, the same place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Uh, St. John was the abbot of this particular monastery, and he wrote a very lengthy and very beautiful book on instruction for Orthodox monks in order to help them to attain salvation. I like to read this book every Lent. Uh, every single time I come to Lent, I go to the same book and I read the same things over and over because I think that it's important uh, that I, I try to gain what he said. And certainly by reading it once or twice or even ten times, I don't quite gain all of the wisdom that this man had. Now why would you work so hard to make your salvation sure. Certainly there are many people who believe that if you get baptized and you grow up in the church as I have and you go to Sunday school and then uh, you uh, graduate from college, in my case I've gone to seminary and I've become a, a clergyman in the Orthodox Church, or even if you don't become part of the clergy, but you continue to go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, isn't that enough for salvation? Isn't it enough that you simply go to the church and put a little bit of money in the collection plate, that you uh, go to confession once a year, and uh, that you uh, take communion whenever you feel necessary? Well, in a way it is, certainly, it isn't up to anybody in the church, least of all a priest of the church, to say that people who do that aren't saved or aren't part of the kingdom or aren't, or aren't taking advantage of all that Jesus Christ has to offer us. But really, there is much more. I like to look at it in the same way that you look at uh, being part of an educational institution. Now suppose you were to uh, apply to be a student at Syracuse University and after you apply you go and you take some certain tests to see if you can get uh, become part of that uh, university and uh, you find money so that you can become part of the university. Maybe you move to the area and you find an apartment. There are all these things that you have to do to sort of get ready to become a student. And then maybe even you go to the classes. You have a class that meets once a week for three hours on Wednesday afternoon or something like that. And you go and you sit there from one till four o'clock and you listen to the lecture and you nod your head and you even have your books with you and you go back to your apartment and your apartment looks very much like a college student's apartment and so on and so forth. But you never do any of the homework. You never do any of the reading. 
You never do any of the writing. You never do any of the research. You don't do any of that stuff. You simply enroll and you pay your money and you show up occasionally for the lectures. Do you think at the end of that you would be able to get your diploma? Well, of course not. You wouldn't pass that course. And if you continued to take courses in that manner, you wouldn't get your diploma. You might be a student for four years. I don't know if they would let you be a student for four years if you, if you did nothing. After a while, maybe they would throw you out. But you might be a student for all that time and then come to graduation and stand there at graduation and say, where's my diploma? I deserve it. I've been here for four years. I've been a student for four years. I paid my bill for four years. I've lived in student housing for four years. Aren't I a student? Shouldn't I get a diploma after four years? Well, I don't think you would. In fact, I'm sure you wouldn't. Now, I'm not sure if that metaphor goes exactly, fits exactly with what happens in the church. But I am aware that simply enrolling, paying, and showing up doesn't seem to me to be quite enough in order to be part of the kingdom of God as Christ envisioned us being part of the kingdom of God. I like this passage that we have in uh, the second letter of St. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. I didn't stop at all. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. When St. Peter wrote to these people, he was writing to sort of the church in general. When St. Peter wrote, he was saying to them, you are already Christians and you are holding on to the faith that you have been given. You're firm in the faith, but he says, be even more diligent. Be even more diligent. Well, why would we be more diligent if we can enroll and pay our money and show up at the lectures and then not worry? Why do we have to be diligent? Why is it that St. Peter is urging us to make our call and election sure? If we've been called, we've been called. If we've been elected, we've been elected. But see, he's adding something different here. He's telling us that, yes, you have been called. Yes, you have been elected. Yes, salvation does belong to you. And yet, you need to be diligent to make sure you remain in that. And then what happens? For so, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. St. Peter is saying that when you come to graduation day, you want to make sure that you have done the work that is required for you to get your diploma. I also want to turn to the to the St. Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2. One of my favorite passages of scripture. 
We'll look in chapter 2 and we'll look at verse 12. Now this is a different writer writing, but I think he's going to say the same thing. What do you think? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do for his good pleasure. Now it seems like that second verse, that's Philippians 2.13, it seems like that second verse says that you just kind of sit there and God kind of works out salvation in you. He makes salvation happen and you just, you enroll, you pay your money, you go to the lectures and then you lay back and God works out his salvation in you. But that's not at all what he's saying. Listen to this. Therefore, as you have always obeyed, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. You know, in the Orthodox liturgy, uh, when I come out with uh, Holy Communion and I lift it up before the people, I say, with fear and faith and love, draw ye near. With fear of God and faith and love. You see, all of those things are brought together in the work of our salvation. As we're working out our salvation, as we are striving to become like Christ, as we are trying our best to make the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we are working toward this, we are really drawing together our fear of God, and our love of God and our faith. With fear of God and faith and love draw ye near, the Orthodox liturgy says. And Saint Paul, what does he say? Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Yes, God loves you. Yes, God forgives you. God has mercy upon you. But yes, God is a judge. God will judge you. In the same way that if you go to a university, they're going to give you a test every now and then. And if you pass the test, you pass the test. And if you fail the test, you fail the test. In that same way, God, he is loving and merciful and gracious toward us. But he is also our judge. And as we work out our salvation, we keep that ever in our minds. No, it's not enough to be baptized and to sit in the pew and to put some money in the collection plate and then sit back and let God do whatever he wants. We need to continually be working out our salvation. We need to continually, as St. Peter said, be diligent to make our call and election sure. Well, now we're going to St. George's Antiochian Orthodox Church in Utica, New York, where I preached a sermon about my own uh, feeble efforts, my own humble efforts, which are never as good as I want them to be, my own humble efforts toward seeking salvation, using my annual practice of going to the Ladder of Divine Ascent written by St. John Climacus and attempting to make the insights that he had into working out salvation 
attempting to make those insights a part of my life. Stay with us. I think you'll enjoy this sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Well, today, as you know from the children's sermon, we come to the Sunday of St. John Climacus, or St. John of the Ladder. He's so named because of his uh, uh, book called The Ladder of Divine Ascent. Ladder of Divine Ascent has been employed for many years as a guide for monastics. And if you read the book, if you read the book, you can see that it's really set for a monastic setting. It has uh, advice in it that would be almost impossible to follow in the world. It has advice that, well, if you could do it, it would be difficult to do over the long run, and so on and so forth. And yet, despite this character of the book, for literally hundreds of years, pious Orthodox Christians have made a habit of reading this book during Holy Lent, uh, not only in Russia, but also in Greece. And so there are many, 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 many copies of this book in Russian and in Greece, many different, uh, in Greek, many different editions and so on. And it's a pious practice. I heard about this some number of years ago, probably 10 years ago now, and I quickly ordered the book because I wanted to do everything that Orthodox people did. I went out and I ordered the book and I got it and I started to read it during Lent. And what I want to share today is pretty much my own reflections on that book, not so much doctrine of the church, although of course everything in the book matches with the doctrine of the church. I found it to be difficult to read. It's not like a storybook. It's not something you sit down and you read, and if you get halfway through and stop, you haven't really gotten the gist of it. You can pretty much read one sentence, any sentence in that book, and gain from it. Or you can read just part of it and gain a great deal, and you don't even need to continue. My practice has been that at the beginning of Lent, I begin reading it, and I get as far as I can, and when it comes Pascha, I put the book back on the shelf. And then next year at Lent, I take it off and I begin to read it again. It's a very difficult book. It is definitely written to monastics. But I think it reminds me of three things as I read it each year. One thing is that it encourages me to pursue asceticism, especially during Lent. Number two is that it reminds me of the goal that I'm aiming for and number three is that it reminds me of who I am and where exactly I am at this point in my life in terms of spiritual growth. I think it's important to have this book and have it remind us about asceticism for a very important reason. Incidentally, this is not something that Orthodox Christians are required to do. It's just a practice of certain pious Orthodox to read this book during Lent. But anyway, I think it's a good idea we have the Sundays of Lent set, I believe, in a very particular deliberate order. And these Sundays of Lent, the third, the fourth, and the fifth, I believe have an emphasis that we <clears throat> need to hear, especially at this point. When we come to the first Sunday of Lent, we've gone through a week of fasting, 
uh, the extra prayers, the services, the readings, all of that. You've gone through all of that for a week. It's kind of a solemnity involved in it, but still there's also something of the excitement of the beginning of Lent. And part of that is the Sunday of Orthodoxy, the first Sunday. When we come to that, it's almost a festive time. We, we read the tomos of orthodoxy together, you know, recite that this is the faith of the universe thing. We recite that together. We march around the church with our icons. It's almost festive. And when we come to the second Sunday, the Sunday of St. Gregory Palamas, it's, it's a little bit different. He talked about asceticism, but he was a theologian. And so really when we come to that Sunday, we remember St. Gregory the contemplation of the divine light and all of the, but it's a very theological weekend, at least the way I feel. But then you come to the next three Sundays and it's totally different. The first one, the third Sunday of Lent, we come to the Sunday of the cross. We listen to the scripture that says, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's reminding us about self-denial. We come to today, the Sunday of St. John Climacus, and his book is definitely a book about asceticism. When he asks you to grow spiritually, he doesn't say grow spiritually by uh, managing your money better or by having a good relationship with people around you or whatever people write books about nowadays. He says you grow spiritually by taming the passions that control you, and you tame them by self-denial. You tame them through ascetic practices. There's no dancing around with St. John Climacus. He states it baldly. I think I've shared before about my amazement when I first got the book. I, I knew that it was put into steps, 32 steps that you get closer and closer to, uh, to God. You grow in spiritual graces. I often wondered what the first step would be. The first step might be go buy a nice icon or find a place, a quiet place to pray or get a good notebook and a good pen and write down your feelings or something like No, the first step is detachment from the world. St. John's not fooling around. He begins there and then you grow from that point. This is why I can read the book year after year after year. I can't even get the first sentence down. And it goes on and on after that. And then, of course, next week we come to the Sunday of St. Mary of Egypt, the most ascetic of the Orthodox saints. These three Sundays, and then the sixth one, of course, is Palm Sunday. That's a whole celebration of itself. But these three Sundays, the third, fourth, and fifth, remind us of asceticism. It reminds us that the way that we transform the passions... Now really, we transform them. God has given us the passions, but we twist them around during the course of our life. So we need to transform them back the way he wants. For instance, he's given us a hatred for the devil. Well, very often we twist that around during the course of our lives to anger and bitterness aimed at other people. <laughs> we need to transform it, bring it back around. In our effort to do that, there is no easy answer. We can't take a seminar. We can't read a book. We can't take a pill that's suddenly going to help us do this. It's hard work. It's hard work. And St. John Climacus 
makes that clear. He doesn't pull any punches. It's like if you throw a rock up in the air. If you throw a rock up and you give it a little bit of a zest, it goes up a little way and then comes down. If you give it a little bit more of a throw, it's going to go up a little bit further and then come down. And if you give it a real hard throw, it's going to go up further and come down. Well, what's making it go up? That's your energy is making it go up. And then when nature takes over, the rock begins to come down. This is one of the images of St. John Climacus. We provide energy in our spiritual growth. When we stop providing energy, we go down. I've never seen a rock where I throw it up in the air and it goes up and, and decides it's going to stay at a particular level and sort of floats around up there. No, it's either going up or it's coming down. And so when we, when we say to ourselves that we've reached a certain level and we don't need to, to put any more energy into it, all we need to do now is to pledge to the church and come on Sundays, and Sundays when the weather is good. Boy, that was an issue this morning. Come to church on Sundays, then, then we, we don't realize that we're on our way down. We're not working up in the right direction anymore. St. John's book encourages us in ascetic discipline. It also reminds us of the goal that we have to reach. Now, sometimes when I read this book, I find it to be so, so difficult. It's coming from a whole different world that I almost can't comprehend the words he's saying. Oh, I can understand the English language, and I can understand what the sentence means, but it's almost too much to comprehend. This week I was reading in the 26th step. I did something different this year. I skipped the whole front of the book and I started on step 20. Because I always start at the beginning and I get up to 18 and stop. So I thought this year I'm going to try going, going ahead a little bit. And I was on the one that talks about humility and pride, which is a tough step. And one of the things he said as he was talking about this was, uh, if you talk to other people and you sometimes find yourself overstating something a little bit in order to make yourself look good, you should try this. Rather than doing that, when you're talking with other people, overstate your faults in order to gain more humility. Because you gain humility in terms of how they will look at you, they'll stop giving you compliments. He, he sees compliments as being a a big uh, uh, sort of a fuel for our pride. He says they will stop giving you compliments and then also you will gain more humility. I don't know how you feel about that, but I read that and I sat for a few minutes and I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine myself sort of introducing myself to someone I've never met and telling them that I'm an Orthodox priest, but then sort of in my implications, you know how you talk like that, in the implications, I sort of could imply that I'm an alcoholic or an adulterer or a thief or something like that in order to make it so that they don't compliment me in order to make myself feel more humble. Do you see what I mean? And yet I trust St. John Climacus. And I trust him that when he says, you're probably uncomfortable with this idea, he's saying it because he knows 
that the real reason I wouldn't want to do something like that is because of my pride. And when he talks about the offspring of pride, most of them belong to me. And when he talks about the fruit of humility, most of them are so far away that they seem odd. And thirdly, I believe that it's good to read St. John Climacus because it reminds us of who I am. It reminds us of who we are. Whenever we, we read and each and every sentence condemns the, the attitude that we have and the passions that we have, the habits that we have, the things that we've learned, we remember exactly where we're standing. It's very easy for us to pat ourselves on the back and to think we've done well in the spiritual life. It's very easy for us to come to confession and say, oh, basically I've been good. Basically I haven't done anything wrong. I'll come up with something because I go to confession during Lent and the priest wants me to say something, but basically I've been pretty good. It's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to come to Lent, for instance, and go through that first, that first, I don't know how you are, but the first few days, the first few weeks even, they aren't that bad. In fact, it's kind of exciting. I kind of like it. But then after a little while, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it happens about this week. I mean the week past. And it'll, it'll hit me more this week. You come there and you begin, your body begins to say, it's enough. Stop it. Let's get back to normal. Let's get back to the way we were eating, the way we were sleeping, the way our schedule was. It's enough. And as you're sitting in your chair and you're thinking to yourself, in the back of your mind there's another voice back there that says, you know your body's right, yeah. Let's forget it. Let's forget this whole thing. Nobody's going to know. Let's forget it. This is only after four weeks, five weeks. Lent only goes for six weeks. It reminds us of where we were, where we are, because St. John Climacus pursued 40 years as a hermit before he became the abbot of Sinai and wrote the Ladder of Divine Ascent. Not only because of his life, but what he says reminds me of just how much my body is really a spoiled little brat who basically demands that it be taken care of the way it wants. We come to this Sunday of St. John Climacus. He reminds us about the ascetic effort behind us and ahead of us as we move toward Pascha, but he encourages us as well. He encourages us to continue to pour energy into our spiritual growth during this beautiful time of year so that we can prepare ourselves for the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Harmony of Thunder is produced in cooperation with the Orthodox Christian Network.